Peeps, Swizzle here. Thursday, October 20th. Before we even start, I want you to go to your like buttons. Like our videos on the Twitter, on the YouTube. It's really important. By the way, vraiment is the French word for really. You didn't have that on your bingo card. Dan Nathan, back from yeah, San yeah. Francisco. today, And that's just the two of us today. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet, Dan. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. SoFi, get your money right all in one app. Our production partners, Open Exchange. Uh, man, oh man, the intraday, intraday moves, Dan, are staggering. I mean, these Fed officials open it like they can't shut up. They cannot. What well, guy? Uh, did, did we talk about the new MRKT, like our new no, our new logo here that we got going I on? I, I mean, like, come hot. on. I mean, it's pretty dope. And you know, Amanda, she really like pulled one out of a hat here. Yeah. When we were thinking I about said that MKT. No, I I actually heard you and Danny. I really enjoyed that. I watched it. I was in a I was in an Uber, um, and I was uh, watching you guys. And I saw Liz. I thought you guys did a great job. But I really like the MRKT. I like what we did with the logo here. So people, let us know what you think. Okay. Um, as far as these moves, guy, I know your guy Bullard. You know, you're a big fan, right? Um, you know, he's the one though is kind of laying out the course. He's the guy that you're going to want to track as far as Fed governors go, right? If they're going to signal that they at least hit the pause button right on the qt on the on the uh, rate hikes or the pace in which and you know these guys are out every day talking man and they're just whipping things around um i'll just say this though you know like looking at the markets and the s p in general it doesn't feel great no i mean we, we haven't taken it we, we haven't taken out the highs from two weeks ago remember that monday tuesday when we had that five percent two-day rally so we've made a lower high right now and it really feels like we're waiting for another shoe to drop especially when you consider man oh man the banks there was just a lot of excitement after those results huge rallies off the bottom but the s p doesn't feel like it can get out of its own way now listen you know and i've been one of these people and, and i hearken back to the middle of june and when that market effectively rallied about 18 and a half percent in the s p from that middle of june till august on what appeared to be sort of a i don't know it, it there was sort of a window of opportunity for the market to go higher right we were done yeah. with sort of the fed speak the market was oversold blah 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 and we're off to the races i happen to think Last week, we were seeing a similar setup, and it looked right for a while. But to your point, the rallies have been anemic, and we continue to give it back. So, you know, maybe I'm being too optimistic here. I'm not ready to pull the ripcord because I do think uh, there might be some legs to this bounce, but it ain't happening. And quite frankly, every time one of these Fed officials come out, they're clearly the mandate is, listen, I don't care what's going on out there in the world. Uh, we are talking about inflation and our want to combat it. And I'll say this as well. You know, the news out of the UK, and I, I don't want to get, it's nothing to do with politics, but think about it. Liz Trust was there for 44 days. And, yeah. you know, the Bank of England pivot a couple of weeks ago and all things that are going on there. I mean, there's so many cross currents right now, Dan, that it should be concerning that we typically don't talk about, but I think the market's starting to take notice. No, the market's starting to take notice. And you look at just some of the things that are performing well today. It's kind of the island of misfit toys on the green mm-hmm. side. Look at Lam Research. LRCX is one of the best performing stocks in the S&P 500. AT&T, look at that, up like wow. 10%. Guy, haven't seen that in a while. Las Vegas Sands has been, you know, gotten pulverized here. So a lot of those reopening trades, um, ca- uh, you know, Carnival's acting well. And then on the, on the flip side of that, utilities acting very poorly, 
because where rates, rates are right now, right? Exactly so, right. so to me, let's just look at this S and P. I thought this was interesting. I caught this chart from Carter on worth charting the other day, and this is a sixty-minute bar chart of the S and P five hundred. Is going back to that period that you mentioned, right, mid June, when we had that nearly what eighteen, nineteen percent rally, mm-hmm. and now we've been in this very well-defined downtrend. And like you know, you can see like those kind of periods that we've had these little bounces over the last you know couple of weeks. This is a log chart, but this has not taken out the the high from a couple of weeks ago, and it really feels like we're going to go back and test the lower bounds of that um, you know downtrend. And I'll just look at this. You know, I have a nice fact set chart here. This is a one year guy, and we've been kind of looking at it in a different way. You see that fifty day that's moved down. You see the two hundred day that's below now that downtrend that's been in place from the start of January. Something's got to happen if there's not a couple of big tech earnings that are going to give investors a reason to say, you know what, we might be bottoming also at a time where the Fed is basically in their November 2nd meeting, that's it, meaning like that's it for now, then this thing is actually feels like it really wants to make new lows. The math suggests, and I know you weren't saying this, but you know, talk about AT&T being up first, I mean, 10% for them is a big deal, but that stock has been, you know, awful, literally for a decade in Carnival and Las Vegas Sands. But the math suggests really what it's come down to is, and you've talked about it for a while, those four or five names that are such a huge component of everything. And if we can go back to that first chart, the one with the sort of the triangle, because I think that's really interesting. And, yeah. you know, Carter does a great job. You look into late August, you know, we traded up to that downtrend line. What happened when we got there? Well, we failed and then traded to the lower band. And here we are again, trading up to that downtrend line. So, to your point, something's got to give here. I think you're exactly right. So maybe I'm, again, being too optimistic, and maybe it's as simple as looking at this chart. I do think, and again, I've been saying this well, as have you, 3,400 and maybe an overshoot is almost a foregone conclusion. So maybe I'm being too cute or too tactical here, and maybe what happened in June is not going to happen again. But that's the way my mind is working. But you're right. you got to keep a really short leash on this because – if we start to go pear-shaped on a day like today into earnings next week, one has to wonder how this whole thing shakes out. Yeah, and, and again, you know, yields have a lot to do with yes. what's going to happen. And so if you look at the 10-year yield, here's a 20-year uh, chart of that. It's a log chart here. You see that we're kind of, uh, are we banging up against some resistance here at 420? Maybe, okay. But, you know, you see that the, the high is going back to, you know, the 2008 period um, before everything really did crater, you know, is up there near 5%. Jeffrey Gunlock, a double line. He's been saying this for a few weeks, so he's a little early here, but he's seeing yields peaking yeah. pretty soon. That's my trade. I'm long GOVT and I'm also long calls in the GOVT and I'm looking out to December. Um, I really do think that we're probably likely at least to slow down um, at least what the Fed is signaling and then maybe it's like the lack of growth is the thing that actually causes the 10-year yield to also come in over the next month, month and a half. This one has me scratching my... I mean, I understand what's happening, obviously. Inflation's a problem. Yields go higher. I, I get that part of it. The flip side and what I thought, and I've talked about this, Dan, you know, I thought in terms of like the TLT, I thought 108 was going to be support. That didn't happen. But my logic was in a slowing growth environment, yield should by definition go lower. And if the broader market were to sell off, which we've effectively seen, there would be a flight to quality in the form of bonds. Both things obviously should have been bullish, supportive of bonds, meaning yields go lower. That didn't play out, and here we are. Now, Danny Moses has said a number of times, you know, we find ourselves in an environment where yields going higher is probably a bad thing. That's what we're seeing now. 
And to a certain extent, yields going lower could be a bad thing as well. So the way 10-year yields are moving right now is concerning in a word. I do think you have the right trade on, and I thought your timing was within a day or so, but it's amazing how these things extend. And again, if you think out there, and I don't think anybody that's watching this believes that, but I think there's some people out there that believe yields going higher is actually a good sign because it speaks to a growing economy. Uh, think again. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. No, I, I mean, listen, you know, this is a trade I'm losing money on and no, I'm I sticking with it. I, I you know, again, I, I, I don't really see a whole heck of a lot of risk from here. I was probably a couple weeks too early. Here's another one that I've been kind of in and out of and talking about it on the market call. That's the MRKT call on um, people, uh, the newly minted Smash MRKT. the like button. <clears throat> I yes. see that I said I did that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's remind people who are here now. Go smash the, the like buttons yeah, on the YouTube or on the Twitter Live. But here's another one, and this is kind of the same trade in the way the US dollar, you just mentioned what has gone on in the UK and the pound, and we know why the euro has been really weak, and we know what's going on with the yen right now, and it seems like that everything against the dollar is just not working. I suspect that reverses guy in the not so distant future. And again, people, I am no macro genius when it comes to trading. This is kind of mean reversion. It's kind of sentiment. It's kind of the way I'm playing it. It looks cheap the way I'm playing it. And so if you look at this Dixie guy, you see that room going back 20 years okay so maybe there's a more of a blow-off i mean it kind of feels like a blow-off when it broke out of that kind of year and a half sort of um you know rectangle pattern that we were in prior to this um breakout just a few months ago it seems like the dollar rally is getting long in the tooth and everyone's on the same side of this trade yeah i thought that for a while as well and it continues just to do the grind listen the uptrend is clearly intact i don't think any of us will dispute that but back in june carter talked about the potential for a back and fill in the dollar. The dollar to sell off within the confines of an uptrend. That happened. And quite frankly, we should be on the verge of that as well. But for whatever reason, it's, we're not seeing it. I will tell you, to a certain extent, a stronger dollar mitigates some of the inflation headwinds that consumers are feeling. Obviously, you have more buying power, which is a good thing. I will also tell you that Fed officials are not happy about this. The government is clearly not happy about this because... <clears throat> As counterintuitive as it is, a stronger dollar is not in the playbook. They actually they actually want the dollar to weaken for a myriad of different reasons. And what's interesting is President Trump was the first president that I remember that actually vocalized exactly that. So just keep that in consideration. I think that trade's going to work out as well. But you know, the slow grind every day is yeah something that something to really be concerned about well here here so i'm going to do a couple things here and oh, we'll I like this needle. This. i'm going to look at the uup this is the etf that tracks the u.s dollar index here half of that is about the you know is the euro here the the pound is obviously a big component here and to me if you want to just kind of look at that uptrend i think there's kind of risk to the downside towards 28 and when you talk about slow grind that's not the sort of thing that lends itself to basically owning options except that in this case of the uup options premiums are, are relatively cheap here and so today, it's a trade that I did earlier today, guy. And this is one that I did a few weeks ago. And I caught a little bit of the move lower here. But I think now the timing is much better. I kind of closed this trade. I want to look out to December expiration in the UUP. And today, when it's trading about 30.22, I bought the December 30 put, paying about 50 cents for that. That breaks even um, down at 29.5. I have profits below that. I'm really targeting a move back to 28 by December expiration. So I have about two months or so. I've lost up to 50 cents. 
cents in this trade between 29 and a half and 30 with a max loss of 50 cents above 30. But if I'm targeting 28, let's mm-hmm. just say I nail it, okay? And it's at 28 on December expiration. That December 30 put would be worth $2. I paid 50 for it. I like the risk reward there. Now, how would I risk manage this trade if it's not going in my direction? Or it's just grinding to your point in a tight range above the long put spike. Well, if the premium gets to about half of what I paid, I will look to cut that as a loss and kind of move on here. But again, I'm looking to possibly make two or three versus the premium I'm risking and lose about half the premium. I do not want to see this expire worthless. That's why I'm going to risk manage it if the UUP does not move lower, guy. Yeah, look, that's the, listen, when you, you're, at, you're out 50% or so, you definitely have to do something in terms of risk management, I agree. But I think you bought yourself some time clearly with this. And I think if you're right, it's going to happen long before the December expiration. My sense is, it actually could play itself out into Halloween, early November, into the midterm election. So I definitely like this trade. And again, it's sort of counter to everything that's going on. But, you know, we've seen these, again, in terms of the market, we've seen bear market bounces in the broader market. We've also seen these counter trend moves the other way in bonds and currencies and these other things. So I like this trade. Now, is it going to work? No, but it's all about risk. I, I don't know, I should say, but it's all about risk reward and understanding yeah. the environment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, I think what, what you're paying is reasonable in the volatility environment that we find ourselves in. Well, I'm paying 2% of the ETF mm-hmm. price. And I just said, if I'm risking, let's call it 25 cents, because this thing's not going to gap one way or another. It's not a single stock, right? And so if I'm only going to risk 25 30 cents or so, I'm risking 1% of the ETF price. So that's why I think the options look dollar cheap. And if I do get a big counter move to way sentiments going, that's how I'm playing this. Right. Let's let's look at let's look at some single names there here, guy, because you know, Tesla's one we spent a lot of time talking about. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, Carter last week, he came on here, he did it on worth charting. He said he had two trades. He wanted to play Netflix to the long side, playing for a gap fill into its earnings, and he wanted to play. Uh, Tesla to the down, okay, making a new 52-week low. He nailed both of them. When you look at Tesla today, we don't have to go through the quarter. I think a lot of people have spent time you know, you know, talking about it ad nauseum here. Look at this thing. It's back at 208. Last week, I took off my short trade. I think it was about a week ago at about these levels, about 209, for the fear that it was going to run into earnings. You know, my target to the downside was a matched low. But, guy, when you think about what's going on here, I mean, the quarter wasn't great okay the the whole thought process we have a tweet from a guy um named heard in here who's a good follow on twitter check him out i'm um, talking about what elon might have to sell tom Hearden um if they does not come up with all the equity from other people mm-hmm. who've committed to it or the debt holders he can't start selling stock until tomorrow because of the blackout period and he might need to sell what five six seven billion dollars so this stock could really break and if you look at the multi-year chart here you see the risk to the downside what is it 175 that's well, i think that's exactly right and We've been pretty steadfast. Now, I will tell you, when we made that first move lower and started to bounce around the time you took your position off, I actually thought there was a chance we could get back around 240, 245 or so. That didn't pan out. I think we got as high as 225-ish. So, But I also thought that we were going to break through these levels. As a matter of fact, I know you know this, we made a new 52-week low today. Tesla did bounce at one point, but the bounces have been feeble in a word. So here's a stock that's lost now 550 50% of its all-time high since, I want to say, November. Again, 
That's mm-hmm. just catching up with a lot of these other names, and it's still probably expensive depending on the metric. And, oh, by the way, you mentioned the potential for him to have to sell Tesla shares to finance this Twitter deal, which is something we've been talking about since the deal was announced. So there is downside here, I think. And, you know, or did we get – was it the feeble – the bounce today was feeble. And, again, I hate to say foregone conclusion. I'm not a hater, but – 175, the lower end of that band, seems absolutely in play. And then we'll have another conversation. Yeah, we will. Um, again, you know, I just I, I just don't know what could come out. You know, he spent a lot of time on the conference call talking about a whole host of things. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know what comes well, out. He also said, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but didn't he yeah. say something to the effect was he could see Tesla being you know, a an Apple and trillion an dollar, and a, yeah. right, combined. I mean, and he talked maybe. about buybacks and all this sort of stuff. But the, here's the thing: at the end of the day, he's he sold tens of billions of dollars worth of stock since the highs last year. He actually top ticked it at the highs. Remember when he put a tweet yeah. out saying, "Should I sell stock?" This was last November when it was uh, more than a trillion dollar market cap company. So he's traded this pretty well. And a lot of people thought that this whole gambit for Twitter was an excuse for him to sell. Tesla stock yeah. that he thought was expensive, but here's the deal. He's going to get forced to buy this thing. Maybe I think the thing gets pushed out. I have a bearish trade in Twitter. I have a bearish put fly the 48, 38, 28 um, in November expiration. Yeah. I think if this thing gets pushed out, I think you see the stock back in the mid to low forties. That's just my two cents. All right, guy, let's talk about another name near and dear to my heart that reports after the close. I've been trading this one a little bit. I've had a like couple a, decent like trades. Boss. Well, the snap. Okay. Here's a company that, you know, back in September, they announced um, major cuts. Okay. To headcount also to some um, parts of their business. They're basically, you know, going to take big charges. Um, they're getting focused here and the stock rallied it's come back in it hasn't gone anywhere off the mat this is the one-year chart you see the downtrend you see where that 200-day moving average is up there above 20 bucks i own it a little below these levels, believe it or not. I bought some under 10 when it dipped below there um, a couple months. I'm also on call spreads out to yeah. December because I feel that if Elon is forced to buy Twitter at $44 billion, this company with like a 15 or $16 billion enterprise value is way too cheap. So I own call spreads. I own the stock. And you know when the news comes out tonight, it's not likely to be great, but I just don't know what's left to say for this thing. We all know the ad environment's really bad. We know that the restructuring what's going to happen you know like if they say that it's going to have to be much worse than expected for this stock to go down in my opinion meaningfully no i agree with that so much of it now at least you look at this stock action for the last couple months and we've been bouncing along the bottom i mean i think you could you could say logically that we're putting in a base and unless they say something catastrophic which i don't think i do think you're going to see a relief rally and i'll say this i mean this stock can go up 100 percent from here literally double from here and still be in a very significant downtrend. Nothing's been fixed, but, you know, we're not trying to fix companies here. We're trying to figure out opportunities in trading stocks. So I happen to think the risk reward in SNAP probably sets up better than the UUP trade you have on. And quite frankly, in this environment, both can probably work. Well, here, here's the deal. I mean, when we talk about the implied move in the options market, so if I'm looking at Snap just below $11, the at-the-money straddle, that would be the weekly that expires tomorrow, guy, on the close, the 11 call and the 11 put, they're each offered about $1.05, right? So if you do that math, I mean, this is a massive implied move. Let's just say you were to buy the 11 call for $1.05 and the stock is at 10.90, you need a move 
to 1205. You know, you need about a 10% move or so break just even. to break just to break even. So it's really hard playing these directional sort of moves in the options market with long premium. Our friend Tom Sosnoff, who comes on from Tasty Trade, he wants to sell moves like that. The only risk to your point is that if there was any good news, if there was any strategic partnership, if there was any anything, this stock's up 30, 40% yeah. like that. But to the downside, it would have to take worse news than people are already expecting, much worse for this stock to be down 20%, in my opinion. But could it happen? I just think we're in a one back, two up sort of environment. That's why I'm long some stock, long the call spreads. I would buy more if this stock goes to nine and a half dollars. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I don't want to get too in the weeds in this stuff. But if that were to happen, what's going to wind up, volatility is probably going to get crushed on the yep. way up, yep. which means the, you know, so it's a really tough game to play. But you know, you're going to have potentially a really in the money play here that you can trade against. And that's, you know, high level stuff. But I know you know what I'm talking about. With that said, quickly, Dan, people are looking for an entry point in Tesla. Amanda's texting me. Yeah. We, we talked about it. I do think 175, the lower end of that band, makes a lot of sense. Again, I don't think neither Dan nor I are suggesting it's going there, but I think it may, and I think that's the level you want to get involved in if, in, if in fact, it does. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I'm just not a buyer, and our friend Danny Moses says the, the lower it goes, the better short it becomes, yeah. and I think that's does an say interesting that. um, you know, mindset. All right, guys, let's talk about this one real quickly before the opening, American Express reports. And one of the things that's really interesting to me, this stock made um, a high, a new all-time high in February. Yeah. Remember that huge rip that it had? Nearly traded. 200 traded close to 130 last week on that big down day that we had on Thursday. It's had obviously had a big bounce here at 143. It's interesting that it's all, it's it's outperformed the S and P fairly well. It's only down 12 percent in the year. Now, if you think about some of the headlines, we saw Hermes, which is a high end you know uh, apparel company, had good results. LVMH last week. When you think of American Express, you think of business travel, right? You think of like a, a higher end yep. consumer. This one's going to be fascinating. 150 to the upside, I think, is massive technical resistance in my mind. And then last week's low, just above 130, really important technical support. Thoughts here? I remember in February, we were talking about it, and we actually said on Market Call, something's going on with American Express. It didn't yep. seem to line up because the broader market was under pressure at that point. Yet American Express seemed to be doing this grind higher, and I couldn't really reconcile it. I think to a large extent, what you just pointed out makes a lot of sense. So here's a couple of things. American Express, it's not ridiculously expensive on valuation. It's a premier brand. It sold off a lot. Potential bit of a double bottom here, as that green line suggests. Mm -hmm. The one concern you have with American Express, my opinion, remember, as opposed to a MasterCard and Visa, which just process transactions, American Express actually takes credit risks. Now, they get paid handsomely to do it in terms of the interest rate they charge, but there's credit risk associated with it. So you have to look closely at that. And with credit card debt in the United States now north of $1 trillion, I mean, there are a lot of cross currents, a lot of headwinds out there. All that said, I think trading this from the long side, and I'm not trying to play both sides of this coin, I'm not. Yeah. But given what you just pointed out, I think you could trade this in the long side for a scalp. 
All right, last thing before we get out of here, Guy Adami, our main man, early today, our main man, John Butters from Sex Factset. Oh, no he writes that Earnings Insight blog. It comes out every Friday, so you can get it at factset.net um, and search for Butters, and you'll find Earnings Insight mm-hmm. here. He gives us a preview. This is really important stuff as we head into the bulk, I think, of Q3 earnings here. So he's talking about net profit margins here, okay? And so um, analysts are expected um, about 12% for Q3. That's for the S&P 500. That's down a bit from last quarter. It's about 12.2%. But here's the most important part, Guy. Analysts expect higher net profit margins over the next three quarters. Given what we're dealing with, with wages and inflation and commodities and food and shipping costs and almost everything that you can think of, how the heck are S&P margins expected to be higher over the next three quarters, especially when we're starting to see lots of strategists take down their S&P 500 earnings for next year, which would place them year over year down mid to high single digits from a number that's probably still too high for 2022. Companies are not going to be able to, you know, we talk about some of the quarters some of these companies have had where you see 16% organic growth, and that's because they basically raise prices by 16%. Let's not confuse the issue here. That's not real growth. That's obviously engineered. At a certain point, these companies can no longer do that. And I think we're at it right now. Sort of elasticity we talk about, well, we're probably (laughs) right at the apex of that. So they're not going to be able to pass on cost. If you can't pass on cost, margins go down. So this is sort of good news, bad news. The good news is margins have hung in reasonably well. The bad news is margins have hung in reasonably well because the next leg is they're not going to hang in anymore. The same thing with demand. You know, the fact that companies until recently haven't guided lower on demand was the good news. The bad news is they haven't done it because to me, both of these things are just a matter of time. And I think that's what people really aren't taking into account. The fact that these things are still out there, and I don't give a shit what the Fed does. There's still a slowing earnings environment. There's still a yeah. sl- margins are declining. And against that backdrop, you don't pay as much for earnings. And that's a point I think we've been trying to make for quite some time. You've been making it very well. Um, the last point that, that uh, Butters is Love hitting Butters, in, his earnings, in his earnings insight blog um, is that's just the beat rate for for companies yeah. that have reported yet. We know that we're not, you know, maybe a quarter through S&P 500s, but um, the estimates, uh, the be- beating uh, by 1.6%, the surprise percentage below the five-year average of 8.7% uh, and below the 10-year average of 6.5%. If the actual um, comes out at one percent six percent for the quarter it will mark the lowest um surprise percentage since q1 2020 what's interesting to me about that guy is that that's also happening in an environment where estimates are going down that's and right. so the beat rate is lower too so i think that all ties in together that's what right. we're what we're saying i think the last shoe to drop will be the margins so check out butters tomorrow morning earnings insight blog that was our preview we love him hopefully he'll be back on the program very soon the newly branded program with a new logo m m r k t it does yep. look good by the way by the way yep. butters came on like what do they call it when you break the internet dan he broke the internet yeah is that what they yeah. call it yeah That's breaking the internet. Cool. yeah uh for you yankee fans listen we had our chances last night in the early innings you got to get to guys like verlander early otherwise he gets in a groove and he starts to shut things down. That's exactly what happened. But guess what? We got another game tonight in Houston, and we'll see how that shakes out. Ranger hockey at the Garden this evening, if for you so inclined. Obviously, the Mets are not playing. You won't see them for a while. But that's it for today's market call. <laughs> now, listen, I'm going to say this twice, Dan. Well, first, I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet and SoFi. I love everybody at both shops. I want to thank Open Exchange. 
our production partner. And just a reminder, I'm, I'm going to talk slow, so write it down or commit it to memory. MRKT call, market call, is going to be a little different on Monday. Today's Thursday. So the next time you see us will be Monday, noon Eastern time. We're doing the show live on Sirius XM at 12 Eastern, noon. That's 9 a.m. on the West Coast. I don't know what time it is in the U.K. It doesn't matter. Tune in. No video. But if you want to be part of the show, Dan, and I know you do, dial in 844-942-7866. That's Monday, the 24th of October, noon Eastern. You talk about breaking the Internet, we're going to break serious radio, brother. <laughs> and I'm getting in the car now because we're going to go do what, Dan? We're going to do on the tape podcast, buddy. And then Fast Money. We're we're just going to spend all day talking markets together. How's that? Yeah, we are. Later. All right, right, bud. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks. Thanks.